Hello, and welcome to the podcast, the Dad and Sons podcast, specifically, just in case I you get confused. You were, <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We just declared ourselves the podcast, the only the podcast. podcast. We're one the, of the podcasts of all time. We are one of the that existed. <laughs> when the earth goes to shit, they can say that is a podcast that existed. Number seven in Saudi Arabia, baby. Oh, my God. That's actually pretty good. That is pretty good. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. Saudi Arabia's got a lot of people who probably yeah. listen to podcasts. What have you guys been doing? I've been exhausted. What <laughs> about you guys? I'm, like, over my exhaustion from last week. And I, I've been riding a high. And I've been trying to get back to normal and trying to do stuff. Normal like, stuff like, like play games? having a really big itch to play Rhythm Heaven Gold on Nintendo DS so that I went That's scouring. specific. <laughs> yeah, very specific. So much so, you know, the normal thing of like going to a retro store and buying a DS and 10 games. Oh, really? Yeah. Just really? for the, even though emulators exist. Yeah, well, you know. Well, for one, it's a Japan-only game. I believe, actually, the DS one. Actually, no, it must not be. But anyway, <laughs> I have a Game Boy Advance. I have a pretty extensive Game Boy Advance collection since I'm a Japan. Oh, it's one yeah. of the only things I yeah. have. DS games that want the pointer stylus don't always emulate well. Yeah, I tried to play The World Ends with you on PC and could not do it. Well, yeah, there's no way you could play Rhythm Heaven Gold on an emulator, for sure. But I had a GBA, and I was super getting into Rhythm Heaven, uh, well, Rhythm Tengoku on my GBA recently. And I was like, I want to move up. I've played a lot of this now. I want to play Rhythm Heaven Gold. And then eventually I want to play Rhythm Heaven Megamix. And then I want to play the one on the Wii, which I think is Rhythm Heaven Fever. But I was the like, one everyone right. knows. Well, yeah. in Japan right now, DSs must be cheap as chips, right? They must be so cheap. And I was like, I'll go to the retro store near me. It's a famous one called Atui. It's, if you've ever been to Japan and you've been to Kinkakuji, the Golden Temple, it's right next to that, like literally five minutes away. And I was like, I'll see if they have it. If they have Rhythm Heaven, I will buy a cheap DS Lite and I will buy that. Wait, what about the backwards compatibility with the 3DS? You don't have a 3DS? So, but I do, but I have a European one. And remember, before the Switch oh, and all those things, fuck. there was this thing that existed called region locking. Do you remember region locking? We live in I a forgot. golden era now where that yeah. thankfully is not so much of a thing. But well, yeah, that explains that. Yeah, so I was like, and I've actually had a Japanese... 2DS before. I had like one of the the really fancy ones where you could change the faceplates and I changed it to Smash Brothers one, but I sold it like a, when I moved, I think I wanted to get rid of a whole bunch of stuff. But I was like, all right, I'm going to pick up a DS Lite, not a 3DS because then I can play Game Boy Advance games on it, you know, because it has the little slot at the bottom and then I can play Game Boy Advance games with a backlit screen. So I was like, okay, well, if I can find Rhythm Heaven, only Rhythm Heaven specifically, I will pick it up. And I went to the store and I looked around for ages and I couldn't find it in the DS section. I was like, oh, well, that ends that then. And then I saw the Game Boy Advance Rhythm Heaven. And I was like, oh, there, well, there's the Game Boy Advance one. I already have that. And then right behind it, tucked behind it, not in the DS section, but in the Game Boy Advance section for whatever unknown reason. There it was in like foil wrapping, an unopened copy of Rhythm Heaven Gold. Can't believe they made such a, a blatant error of retail incompetence get it together i know game store developers 
Well, I was lucky because it was literally 500 yen. So it was like $4. Oh, nice. Right? And I was like, okay, well, I'm definitely going to buy it. It's $4. And then I looked at the DSs and I had like a whole range of options. You know, there was the DSs, the really original ones, and they were like 10 bucks. And then there was like the the DS lights. Poofy. Yeah, yeah. Then there was various DS lights of various different conditions in different boxes, and they were like thirty one. bucks. And oh, then the, nice! And then there was like the brand new two D, the three DS, two DS LLs, which is the XLs <laughs> in Japan, like the last model of the three DS they released. They were like a hundred dollars, and I was like, I'm not gonna go for that. Although they do look really nice, so I was like, all right, I'm gonna buy a black DS light, which is what I had when I was in college. For $30, a Rhythm Tengoku. And I was like, man, $35. This is this is awesome. This is great. And then I yeah, started looking actually, at the DS section. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's a whole bunch of like DS games I've never played. Like Mario 3 on 3 Basketball Baby, which was oh, like $2. Oh. And there was Mario and Sonic at the Beijing Olympics from 2008. Wait, what? <laughs> the Beijing Olympics? Wait, that's a... Wait, it's called Cow. Beijing Olympics? Yeah, yeah, Marion Sonic at the Beijing Olympics in Mario? 2008. Mar- for the for the DS. Sonic. <laughs> at the How Olympic Games. At the Olympic Games in Tokyo. At the <laughs> Winter Games. They oh my god, what is happening? What? <laughs> That's when the universes collided and the Mario and Sonic timelines merged into <laughs> one universe at the Beijing Olympics. Yeah, yeah. So, that, and you know, I'm all about that arcade sports cake. So I was specifically looking for potential like arcade sports games on DS that, you know, I haven't played. I'm not going to buy like Dragon Quest in Japanese because I'll never play it, right? Like it's not, I don't barely play the English versions of RPGs. hardcore of a gamer, are you? (laughs) (laughs) Don't even complete them in my own language, let alone a foreign one. So I was like, I'll just pick up games that are easy to play. So I picked up Rhythm Heaven Tengoku. I picked up 3-on-3 Mario Basketball, which I've yet to play. I picked up the Mario and Sonic at the Beijing Olympics, which surprisingly is really good. Like the archery minigame in that is fucking awesome. I, I, I'm surprised Matt doesn't remember. Like it, I think it was a I pretty the big Olympics, deal. not Beijing. I never, I never remember specific countries and shit. Like <laughs> that's nuts. It was a big deal because I think that was one of the first, if not in the early days of when they started doing those collaborative like Mario and Sonic games, like together at last after 20 years of bitter fighting, that game was like a landmark in in unifying (laughs) the feuds of the game industry. Settle your differences in the Olympic Games instead of... I guess the competitive marketplace. I don't know, but <laughs> that's why I remember it is because of the the crossover. But it's surprisingly good. It's a tight game. Like the archery mini game is really fun, and you know they use the stylus and whatnot. I forget like how interesting games were on the DS using the stylus and stuff like that. Yeah. It's kind of something that's missing now. You know, the Wii is passed on, except the, for VR. Well, VR, yeah, definitely, and the Switch in some parts with motion controls, but. That that whole era of like the PlayStation Move, the Kinect, the Wii, and the DS, like it's all like kind of like a weird fever dream that happened to us. Yeah, and was it's like finally feeling old. Yeah, yeah. I remember playing sports champions on the PS3 
three with the move. And I was so impressed by how one-to-one it was compared to the Wii at the time. Like I was playing the golf discus thing. It was really impressive at the time. Uh, what what were the other ones? I bought um I bought Mario Kart DS as well because it's one of the best Mario Kart. Might as well. And right. it was two dollars. What what were the other games I bought? Oh, were I they bought in um, those cute little plastics that Japan has. No, I, yeah, I actually got the cases. They are in the cases, oh, boxed, and everything. What? Yeah, it's great. Man, you definitely didn't buy it from a U.S. store. That's for no, sure. No, yeah. The, but that's the thing is, they're in abundance in Japan, especially DS, considering it yeah. sold like 150 million copies or whatever. I also want to point out the very real supply and demand thing going on here, because while you were saying that, I looked it up on Amazon, and Nintendo DS's refurbished on Amazon are going for the upper 100s. Like, top result is 204, second is 189, third is 149. So, like, you're going to be spending... 150 plus if you want to order one from Amazon in the West compared to popping over with your feet into a real brick and mortar store in Japan that has these for 30 bucks. Oh my God. Holy crap. I'm looking at like the American eBay for Rhythm Heaven, which is what Rhythm Heaven Gold is called in the West. You know, it's like a hundred dollars and I got it for like five bucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Good on you. I weirdly feel excited just through the air going through the microphones when when getting that cheap of a deal on stuff. And the other one I got, I got one of the Wario Land games as well. The last game I got was, it was a Gurren Lagann, Tengen Topper Gurren Lagann, the anime, like an RPG oh, by God. Konami that I'm never going to play, but I love Gurren Lagann and I've never played a game that's a Gurren Lagann game. Oh and it's my like, god. It's like this weird visual novel that then all of a sudden you get put in a battle arena where you get to control Gurren Lagann against other robots and other mecha. I'm it's looking so at the good. prices. Uh, so how much did you spend on that? The Gurren Lagann game? Yeah, yeah. I think it was like $6 maybe. <laughs> Amazon has it listed as a Japan import. And to uh, buy that in America and import it in a foreign language you're not going to be able to understand, that's $138.32. That is crazy how much more expensive old video games get overseas compared to... Compared to in Japan, where there's this this thriving retro thrift store market the, that yeah. might actually be doing better than the arcades. Holy by the sound shit! Of on, you can buy it on Amazon as a Japan import for hundred and forty dollars. I will happily sell somebody this for hundred and fifty. I'm oh, never gonna. No. I turned it on and I tried to play it, and it's like, it's like tough <laughs> because <laughs> it's fully in Japanese. But it, it has some really good, uh, interesting scenes in it. You know, it's an you know one of my favorite animes of all time. So, but I've been playing nothing but Rhythm Heaven Gold since, and having a great time. Have, just having a wild time, sitting on my couch playing DS like I'm 16 again. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I'm I'm sure many listeners have heard the story before, but I literally played Tetris DS through my high school graduation ceremony. That was was $3. 
That game has not come out of the DS in, in 20 years. It's still wow. the same. It's never been out of that cartridge slot since I put it inside before the graduation ceremony. I played yeah. it. I'll never need to take it out. There's no other game. Like, it's either that or a Mario Kart. All of my old Nintendo consoles have either a Tetris or a Mario Kart, like, just permanently left inside, collecting a layer of dust crust on the edges. <laughs> Dust crust. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta wipe the dust crust out of my eyes. But yeah, I mean, that sounds like a very positive, energetic, uplifting, you know, you know, happy time. Rhythm Heaven games have uh, cute characters and, and cute artwork and, and, yeah. and, and cute music. And I can feel the brightness of your positive energies. Yeah, I was like, I could either buy a brand new fight stick because I got back into playing Guilty Gear a lot recently. Or? Or I could spend <laughs> like $50. Supporting on... your local retailer, Mom uh, yeah, and Pop I do, Shops. Yeah, I do really like that store. It's the only store I've gone into and I've said, do you know what Banjo-Kazooie is? And they've actually said, yes, they do. Because no one knows in Japan outside of knowing Smash Brothers now. I was looking for the Banjo-Kazooie Amiibo. <laughs> Like, I don't know, maybe two months ago. And I looked everywhere for months and never found it. And I went in one day. I was just like randomly, do you have the Banjo-Kazooie amiibo? And he was like, yes. Yes, I do. And I was like, you son of a gun. So so do, do you want to plug the store and maybe risk a potential slow stream that might eventually become a problematic influx of, uh, of, of fans and listeners and tourists buying out this stock's inventory? Like what kind of sort of I am hearing happened to Super Potato? Yeah, it's a bit different. It, you know, it's unless you're <laughs> unless you're coming to Japan anytime soon, which I, I wish you all were. And I especially wish these two were. It's right next to King Kakuji, actually. So you know. Oh, that's happening, Liam. Yeah, I know. That's happening. <laughs> if not this year, next year. <laughs> I'm one. I'm one jab down. I, you know, I'm one jab down today. I had my first jab, so I'm I'm almost there. I'm catching up. But it's right next to the Golden Temple. Everyone knows if you come to Japan, you know what the Golden Temple right. is. If you come to Kyoto, it's of like of course. It's like five <laughs> minutes away. Come on, you yeah. guys have seen pictures of it. Don't be yeah. silly. I, it might be the kind of thing where, like, we have, but we didn't know we were looking at pictures of it. Like, I remember yeah. the name, but I don't think I went there itself. If you just typed Golden Temple, Japan, you would see a picture of it and you would notice it. I tried typing Kinkaju and it auto-corrected me to the same thing anyway. But it's, yes, of course, the iconic landmark everybody knows. Yes. The, the, Kinkaju, the Kinka, Kinkakuji, Kinkakuji Golden Golden <laughs> Pavilion Temple. D did you play You Poke live right wait, next wait, door. wait, wait, wait. I do. I literally do. It's right there. I do. I live on the same street. <laughs> I can't stress that. I yes, do. yes. I, I, was, I was, of course. I, I said so totally knowing <laughs> that, 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 was, that that was true. Right. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. You guys played Pokemon Gold and Silver, right? Of course. Oh, my God. It was before 9-11. Did you play Pokemon Gold or Pokemon Silver? Which one did you play? Both. I'm a Pokemon Gold man myself. I think I had I'm, the I'm gold. a gold guy, but I played So gold. gold. So when you get Ho-Oh, the legendary, at that tower, yeah. that tower is the Golden Temple in Kyoto. That, uh, is, that is what it is. That's what it's you meant see, to be. See, we have been there. <laughs> so, like, if I'm Japanese, I'm having a different experience playing Pokemon. 
completely. Oh, yeah. You're probably noticing oh, yeah. a lot more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the references. Shit. Zelda, too, has a surprising amount of obscure Japanese folklore tucked inside. I feel like if if I was Japanese, I would enjoy Pokemon more in their references compared to like all the shooter games that tried to do this type of shit <laughs> in New York or some type of shit. Like I don't give a fuck about yeah. the bit of a bit of a drastic difference in tone between Pokemon. Yeah, and yeah. it's very typical, especially this week, uh, to talk about American shooters and how the only iconic landmarks yeah. in video games from America are based in like first person shooters where it's mostly destroyed anyway. Yeah, like the division. Like they did oh, everyone talks about this world that's oh, exactly yeah. like New York. Like New I don't York. give a flying fuck. Like it, it's I'm not noticing any of it. I noticed no? it in GTA 4. When I played GTA 4, I wanted to go bicycle around New York for, for a few days uh, afterwards. You know, I did enjoy like Miami Vice GTA and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was that they, was that was kind of fun. Yeah, GTA is different. GTA is like a a whole nother ball game. <laughs> yeah. One yeah. one that really threw me for a loop is the Washington DC and Fallout 3. And how it's a crazy alternate cartoon version of Washington, D.C. that then got destroyed and defaced all messy. But it was like weird noticing the layouts kind of match up the last few times I've been there with the map in Fallout 3 and how weird that felt. Because, yeah, it was it was destroyed and miserable and brown and, and muddy in the game. And, and in real life, it only looks slightly better. Yeah. But, yeah, GTA 4's New York City, like, got it nailed. I want to say that... San Francisco and Watch Dogs 2 is really well done, but no one really talks about that for some reason. I remember, so one of the weirdest things is because I'd never, I hadn't been to California at that point when I worked on GTA 5. And the opening to GTA 5 is, you know, like yeah. basically Venice Beach, right? And building that's up Matt on Land. the West Coast. Yeah, that's Matt Yeah, Land, Matt should know how, how GTA 5 stacks up. All of it, like, I was like, oh, I know this area really well. And then I watched Californication, you know, the TV show with David Duchovny in it. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. watched that and the opening of that is like aerial shots of like Venice Beach and all of the layout around that. And I was like, holy fuck. That and GTA 5's opening are like mirrored exactly the same. I could not believe mm-hmm. how well they had actually got like that area of California and, you know, Los Angeles like nailed down perfectly. It was yeah. pretty incredible. I was like, damn, we're doing a good job here. You get any of those feels, you know, when you're stuck in traffic and get a little pissed off in L.A. and and then some memories of GTA 5 come back. Listen, I try to avoid L.A. unless there's some like hot thing that's going on over there, man. That's uh, you, you have no idea. When I first came here, I was driving all around L.A. and the traffic is insane. Like imagine doing like you have to go visit a store or whatever work whatever job you have and you're in there right getting in there is okay but getting out you're moving little steps over and over and over again for about three to four hours to get out of the yeah my work day out yes (laughs) my baby is heating up at home and it's such a waste of life. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, like four hours of your life gone. Like, people complain about one hour. I used to do that shit constantly, dude. Con- 
can't yeah, do I, not I, ever I want to live like that. As, yeah, as a bicycle yeah, exactly. commuter, I have a big conversation, but I'll save that for another meal or something. But yeah, <laughs> I. Oh, are I, we gonna do a, a eating podcast? Is that is that what's happening? Are we changing it up? Are we I mean, this no, yeah. not right now, but we could. Like, I mean, I'm totally I'm, I'm, a drunk I'm ready. podcast, a high podcast. <laughs> we uh, could do a, a mukbang show podcast. <laughs> I'm up for all three of those things. At the same time. <laughs> the, you know, the video game industry is kind of kind of rocky right now, and, and we're branching out into other topics every now and then anyway, like, you know, dog care tips from George. Oh, my God. It took you how long? It took you 20 uh, minutes. That's actually not minutes. bad compared yeah, yeah, to yeah, gotta... every five last time. <laughs> At that, least. Was, that was the At honeymoon. Least. I had just found Eddie Wait, for you the first time. No, I'm not over Eddie. I, I was going to tell yeah. a cute Eddie. St- oh, my God. Okay. I, I took he's, Eddie to He's the next to you right now? He's under me. Aww. Wow, that's so cute. Yeah, I know, right? See, now you're feeling it. Um, <laughs> I tell you, if Matt ends up meeting Eddie, he's going to completely change his mind and, and want a dog, and it's all no. downhill from there. I would love your dog from that distance. From a distance. Yeah. Yeah. I know how it is to take care of a dog. I've done it. I've done it for a couple years, and I'm just, I have had the challenges of taking care of this dog in a tiny apartment, which, as we talked about last week, means yeah. taking him up and downstairs. But I found out this week that he is afraid of rain. It doesn't even have to be thunder, <laughs> thundering or lightning outside. It's actually a little drizzly right now, and Raining. that's already getting him to, like, shiver Aww. in his bed under my chair and, and cower. This dog is afraid of every freaking thing. Yeah, like if it's just raining outside, he'll try to run and find a, a quiet, dark hiding spot. He ended up deciding he likes the bathtub the best. It's so weird watching him go from like happy, fun, playful mode when he's distracted at whatever sounds are coming on the window to all of a sudden being scared and timid as soon as your attention goes away from him. And I think it's the noises on the window, like the pitter-pats of rain hitting hitting a window. Maybe that's what's doing it. Dogs are apparently also more sensitive to barometric pressure, I looked up. Anyways, more importantly, I, I took him to the dog park and, and was, you know, Ooh. trying to build some confidence, uh, get may, maybe get a bit of his mojo back. Building if confidence he, uh, in who? You going outside or him going to a dog park? I don't know. I'm trying not to project my problems onto this dog's <laughs> behavior, right? <laughs> But unfortunately, <laughs> as it turns out, Eddie does play nice with other dogs. He just kind of took a dump, sniffed their butt, and then politely and uh, very timidly sat on the edge of the group and watched the rest of them play for most of that time. <sighs> it was like, like I, it really reminded me of like all the parties I've been at. Like unless it's some big, stupid, nerdy video game convention party. Like, I totally saw myself standing at the edge of the party crowd, like having nice enough conversations when people come, but otherwise, like, not knowing how to lead the group or jump into the group. You just I brought up. Eddie's favorite toy. Easier said than done. You got you to get over your fears and get your mojo and, and have, you know, some topics of small talk and mutual interest to break the ice with, of course. But that's that's beyond Eddie's abilities, clearly. What people forget is that everyone's there to talk. Everyone's there to to meet other people. Yeah, but like I'm not going to be able to talk about 
pop culture and actors and movies. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, I had a bunch <laughs> of friends over over the course of the weekend. I went out to an awkward party where we were playing a trivia game and I was just unable to do engage if the questions were about actors or music. Like I, these <laughs> incredible large pillars of pop culture that most people are able to connect with each other on is like a real block. If you're into nerdy dorky stuff like, like us weirdos. I have the same problem, but for the opposite thing. <laughs> I can't do trivia at all. Like, I suck, man. I'm not going to even lie. I suck at <laughs> trivia, but not for the actor stuff, for the other stuff. The random fucking statistics. I'm just like, what uh, the fuck? See I, think, see, I think the three of us combined would make a very good pub oh, quiz yeah. team. Yeah. yeah. I think the three of us across the board would. Yeah, because I ended up when we were like like selecting other topics and going down the list. I ended up scoring better at Bible trivia than oh I did at like God. top movies of the two thousands. Like millennial nostalgia was a category, and I still failed like every question because it was all who was starring oh, wow. as a secondary character in, in Fast and Furious <laughs> movies. Like just, uh, incredibly large, important franchises that I know less than people who know nothing about them are. And to bring it all back to Eddie trying to break into a group, okay. I had a horrible experience that just like stung me inside and twisted the knife where I brought his favorite toy, I waved it in front of him and got him all hyped to chase it and then tossed it out into the grass and suddenly three other dogs come out of the shadows. I didn't even know they were there and just like pounce on this toy and Eddie like backs up and just watches. Oh, people like they stole his toy. I mean, we got it back. The the owners and everything were super nice, and and the dogs were super nice too. It's just Eddie is is on a way different social wavelength in terms of like confidence and and fearlessness. He is he he needs coaching and and coaxing and encouragement. I hope he doesn't like look up you know pick up artist advice forums and go to, go down one of those holes. But we need to get Eddie his confidence. Well, like yes. other dog owners being like, get good, scrub. You're an amateur no, dog owner. No, <laughs> no. Everyone thinks he's adorable. The cute girls at the dog park were just talking about how handsome he is. And I had one really, really awkward exchange on my side of the bargain, too, when a guy came in with his, like, big, muscly bulldog. And apparently this dog still had his testicles. And one of the other girls at the dog park had a female dog who apparently hadn't been spade and they didn't want the dogs banging in the dog park and so she turns over and asks this guy does your dog have his balls and i was gathering eddie's balls you know <laughs> and i looked over and was like yeah i guess and meanwhile like the two of them are like trying to figure out if they need to put a fence between each other's dogs or whatnot to keep them off each other and i'm just like oh you mean testicles oh like, like she used the word balls. Like, she didn't say <laughs> testicles. She didn't say neutered. She didn't say intact or anything. She said balls, and that caused confusion, which honestly, at that point, puts more of the awkwardness on her. Yeah, I don't know about that, George. <laughs> mm, she was saying she something said I balls. think that uniformly people understand, right? But also, I, I guess if there are tennis <laughs> balls... <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, my dog was playing with a ropey tuggy ball. There were tennis balls lying. There were other balls in the park than the dog's at what, testicles. At what stage of age are you? Are you at ropey tuggy balls yet? Or are they still pretty tight? Shut up. <laughs> I think you, you want to go with this strategy. This is like good strategy for like, you know, people who want to kind of stay away from people. Uh, is always think that someone else is they're talking to someone else. That's basically how you do it. She was talking to someone else about balls and I misinterpreted it as her talking to me about dog toys. Yeah. Yeah. You just yeah. ignore everyone until <laughs> until the, you absolutely can't ignore everyone. Well, she had like previously talked to me before when when our dogs were like saying hi to each other and and oh, she God, was like, like "Oh, look at you, you're so handsome." Ever. I know, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, she says she was like, "Oh, I was talking to you, George. I was, I was talking, talking about your you. balls. <laughs> your balls. <laughs> Where is he gone? He just got up and left. So it's this. It's oh. this thing. Oh, it's a squeaky yeah. toy. Yeah, squeaky, and, and squeaky it's, the it's, mic. it's it's a ball. I did, and then I threw it off, and now Eddie's chasing squeaky balls. Come on, come on. Damn, George, it's been that long, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. That's the thing that I misinterpreted for you know dog testicles. Isn't that right? Eddie? Yeah, because she said balls, one. and it's one ball. It's only one ball. Like that it. makes it even worse. Oh hmm. man, I feel like you're both at fault, but you're more at fault. How am I more at fault for her using a slang instead of the literal dictionary word of what she was talking about? For the reason you literally just said, slang versus dictionary. And when I say dictionary, I don't mean slang, dick. Just, just for your wow, clarification. Well, turning into a guy podcast real quick. <laughs> the thing is, you can talk about a dog's testicles in polite company, like with your parents. You you just wouldn't say the word balls. It is an everyday normal topic. Okay, so would you dictionary definition call a female dog in the park a bitch? Not in the park, but I mean, I don't think I've ever in a done more that. like maybe quiet, intimate. I've I, who does do that, right? <laughs> wow. Also, oh, you got a bit like that seems so weird. It does because of like what the word became, right? I mean, yeah. people might have been seriously doing that a hundred years ago, but over the past like 40, 50 years, even the most like serious dog show circles probably do not use that word anymore. Wait, they used to? Yeah, yeah, that was what on you were, like TV, I guess. Like well, look the, at that bitch. Oh wow! Wow, what a like what a great bitch. The tail on that bitch is especially fine. It's so oh. hard to listen to. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. she's got a fine, smooth coat. Look at her just just handle the agility course. She's jumping through the hoop so gracefully. That fine, purebred <laughs> bitch. <laughs> oh my god! Oh no, it, like, I can't. Yeah, that's so worse wrong. than balls. That's yeah. worse than balls, even though it is more dictionary definition correct. It, it's probably because the negative connotation that we have. Oh, right absolutely. Now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we never called, you know, like people bitch, then. It They'd still maybe, be calling dogs, bitch. Be, yeah, they probably would be, still be calling dogs. Do dog trainers still use the word bitch? Probably not. There's no way. 
from Quora user Laura Mitchell. Yes, they do. It's not a dirty word or an insult. Bitch is the correct term for a female dog, just as a female chicken is a hen, a female pig is a sow, a female no. deer is a doe, a female okay. horse is a mare, a female fox is a vixen, a female elephant is a cow, and so forth. A female dog is a bitch. No. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, you have to just say no to science. Yeah. Sometimes the old ways no gotta science. die. Sometimes words become outdated and need to change. Yeah, definitely. Wait, can we make a new name for female dogs then? What would we call them? Good girls. <laughs> I like no, that so much dog. better, actually. I like that one. We got the good boys and the good girls. Right. Look at the tail on that good girl. Look at her just handle the agility course, jumping through hoops, this majestic, and purebred good it's, girl. It's a slight reference to Jurassic Park. <laughs> Clever. Of course. Clever girl. Clever girl. I feel like we can push this forward. And then maybe people would adopt... Be, you know, those terrible human beings who are horrible to women might adopt our new slang and they might be like, hey, what up, good girl? Yeah. yeah. When no. they're being mean to them. And it mm. might just be positive reinforcement. <laughs> no. Hey, you, you're such a good girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's like a hole around here and I'm happy just tiptoeing around it. <laughs> Damn, look Instead at that of good going girl. In. <laughs> That's, That's a fine, good girl. You, that. Oh, my God. I really enjoy drinking water with my mouth. Uh, how about you guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm feeling pretty good. All right. I mean, Eddie is, is you know, making a little progress every day. But, but eventually we'll, we'll get his male confidence back some, somehow, some way. Does he have his balls? No. <laughs> Wait, George doesn't know what they are, Matt. You have to clarify. Right, right. Yeah, Testicles. like he's got he's got like two different balls and then a little bouncy Kong rubber thing. Yeah, he has two balls. You are you are correct. They're lying on my carpet floor in the other room right now. Whoa! Oh, he's laying down. Hey, Eddie, come here. <laughs> Go get your ball. Go get it. Oh, oh yeah, look he's at playing, you. He's playing with his dog on a podcast again. <laughs> And my dog is is playing with you know one of his balls like uh like like dogs love to do. <laughs> so speaking of balls, yeah. I've been playing dodgeball. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah! All right, so you you said you didn't like something about this game, right, Liam? What was it? I didn't really have that many negatives. I thought it was a little slow sometimes, and a little like you know it's Saturday cartoon, Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, episodes. Yeah, kind of, right? And, and like, yeah. you know, the language as well. It's very like, I'm going to get them. I'm going to be the greatest. Like that yeah, very yeah, shown yeah. in like oh, Pokemon-y. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think that, and that, but yeah. that's not necessarily, an, it's not necessarily a negative. It was just a, you're either going to like it or you're not, I think. But how are you I, finding it? I think it's done well. I think it's done well. I do think that's the worst part of it is that it is a bit slow. Like you, f you do a lot of games, a lot of dodgeball games, because that's basically the fighting, and they yeah, really yeah. throw yeah. a lot of it at you because do. you do need to train and you do need to 
but they do add so much. Like they change the type of balls. They change the stuff that you do. You learn different attacks and you get different characters. It's definitely Pokemon. It definitely does feel like Pokemon sometimes. Even some of the sounds are the same. Yeah, the um the battle music is like it goes diddly 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 yeah. and then it goes dun, 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 and then it changes into like a different guitar riff and you're like, yeah. I see what you did then. <laughs> and when you go to heal yourself at the infirmary, it's the same thing. The jingle is the same as well. It like changes like the last or like the third and the last note or some shit like that. And it like it's like a yeah. little bit different. That's funny. It reminds me of uh some of the other Phenotopia and the one that was like Pokemon. I was basically like trying to like be like spinoffs of that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is exactly what this is. Yeah, but it it, it is. They referenced the manga, you know? Like, oh, this is a, the greatest sports manga. We're rivals and blah, blah, blah. Like they make constant jokes about it. It's fun. I got to say it's fun. The, the combat is, it's pretty good. Catching balls or or countering balls, depending on which character you collecting have. balls, playing with balls. What's her name? Uh, uh, Momo, 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 Mimi, Momo. Uh, uh, Nino, Nino. No, the, Min- the, uh, Nino. Arranging Nino. the balls, shuffling the balls. Oh no, it's like Mina. Cool- it's Mina. Mina. It's Mina. Mina, Mina, the cool girl. Yeah, the one who I kick. Like a, woo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Her yeah, counter yeah. is so much fun. Yeah. Blocking the balls, shooting the balls. Yeah, I, like it is Saturday morning cartoon. It's like watching, you know, Ed, Ed and Eddie. Yeah, you know, play dodgeball. You know, that's pretty much that's pretty much what it is, and it's it delivers. It's good. It's very good. Very highly polished. Very highly polished. Yeah. Very. And the rolling when you're going through the overworld is so smooth, so fast, so fun to do, that they make running around and backtracking like actually fun actually fun because you could just like keep pressing it and then zip through yeah, the whole entire world and, and building jump. up speed i yeah. will admit i wish you bounced off the walls though i don't like being stopped i really wish you could do something so you can jump out of it so i started yeah. jumping Same. out of it yeah. before i was going to hit a wall but i i wish it would just bounce just let me bounce just let me keep going just like bounce to the momentum. side because you can always turn just a little bit so bounce turn yeah to the side. yeah i don't like stopping yeah but I guess they want, you know, to actually have like momentum and stuff like that. And yeah, mm. keep it as real as possible, I guess. Even though you're rolling like a ball, like literally a ball. That's what I've been playing. I mean, nothing too new to say. It's it's fun. You like the first couple episodes, it's literally episodes. You go to sleep, you wake up in the morning, it's a new episode. Fighting in the tournament, you know, you have some, you know, your dad is is from uh is trying to get you to to, to go back to referee school and shit like that. And you want to be a, a dodgeball player. And, and, <laughs> and there's just some kid who who doesn't have powers who's trying to beat you because yeah, you're it's his rival. Real. Like, it's just so <laughs> fucking good. Like, it's there. It's there. Everything you need is there. It's just a fun little game. And it's free on Game Pass. <laughs> free real estate, baby. It's free real estate. So why not try it if you have Game Pass? Why not? It's worth a try. Absolutely. It's like why I got excited about what Matt, uh, what George is going to talk about in a bit. Like uh, we were talking about it, Matt. It's like it's very wholesome and it's very, 
I, I that word is overused these days, but like it is very just positive and funny and colorful and yeah. like it's a good feeling game and yeah. really just it's pretty pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty great. I guess it's pretty, pretty great. Do you know what it reminds me of? Actually, oh, I just remember the cartoon it reminds me of the most. Recess. It reminds yeah. me straight oh, up yeah. of Recess. That's what it reminds me of. It reminds yeah. me so much. There's a lot of character designs in there that look like Recess as well. Yeah. yeah. I still remember when they had the, the episode of The Girl on the Swing. And she tried to do a full swing from... Um, <laughs> they make it so epic. Yeah. And she did it and she disappeared. And people <laughs> thought she disappeared for like the whole episode. And so she, at the end, they were like, oh, I just got off because my mom was there. <laughs> because so when she went into the air, like, I guess they all looked into the sun and they just didn't see. Yeah. <laughs> and then she just got off. It's just, oh my God. I can't believe that's stuck in my brain for years, man. Years. is it, That's how you know. That's how you know a show left something for you. Yeah. You know, Ashley Johnson, right? Like, you know, straight up when she was Gretchen and she wanted straight on to do, you know, The Last of Us and Critical Role oh, yeah. and all She's those things. great. Yeah. Spinelli. Great names as well. Gus, TJ, Spinelli, Mikey. Miss Finster, Finster, that woman, that evil looking ogre of a woman. (laughs) Like if you look at the like design of her, her shoulders are so squared off and like she's like in, she's meant to be imposing and intimidating. And the episode, this is man, we're talking about a cartoon from the 90s, but the episode where Spinelli (laughs) goes to work at her house and hang out with her. And they're like two enemies who then become friends. And then they, at the end of the episode, are like agree to keep everyone thinking they're enemies. It's great. It was a great episode. I want to watch some Recess now. So someone behind the scenes manipulated two characters' rivalries into a uh, more positive, constructive outlet for their energy? Yeah, they dance to classical music together. Like, they do the hula dance. Oh, my God. How do I remember all of this? I watched a lot of cartoons. Literally, <laughs> how? But, I mean, just, just a couple nights ago, I saw a very similar plot play out in one of your favorite new shows. Oh, Yeah. I watched the first four episodes of Ted Lasso off of Liam's recommendation and a desire to keep things positive and wholesome and happy for me right now. Yeah, it was it was fun. I can't believe how much it stings when you hear about the the problems Ted Lasso has in his life because you just you want to root for him the whole time. Uh, the other characters say as much. He like. Yeah turns people who are enemies around in ways that feel weirdly, I don't want to say realistic, but maybe at least plausible. Like that genuine positivity could sway even the most gritty and downtrodden of negative people. It's it's like every every episode feels like they're stacking him up against some problem he needs to kill with kindness. 
And he does it in a way that seems not as far-fetched as a TV show plot normally would. Like, it, it kind of gets into the psychology of the characters and how Ted Lasso has his own, like, real normal people problems with, with like, marriage and kids and overwork, but still, like, deliberately puts on this show of, of friendly positivity that still improves all the situations he's thrown against. Even though I have the suspicion that as the series goes on, we're going to find out, like, the whole act may be even him up inside. He's a fascinating character, and I was w- worried that he would literally be like a one-dimensional, you know, Ned Flanders, the guy who, who yeah, was no, responsible for the term no. Flanderization. Yeah. He's complicated. He is a complicated, intriguing, even as much as we know about him, mysterious sort of man who is wonderfully driving this, this character exploration of a, of a show here. But I also was imagining that you were getting a lot more out of the sports references than I was. I understand it a lot, like, because, of course, I've played football and I watch soccer for a long time. You can call it football. It's just we're we're a safe space here. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing is, right, it's the joke in Ted Lasso. He's like, y'all call it football here, right? He's like, wait, on the pitch? So you're saying if I want this on the trunk, I want to get my cleats out the trunk. Yeah, you take your boots out of the boot. With your boot. <laughs> like, there's a lot of like the duality of Americanisms and British isms in the show. Mm-hmm. And that is really entertaining from a British side. And I imagine it is somewhat, even though Ted is, of course, some sort of a caricature of like a Midwestern character, right? I was not expecting, I was not expecting the accent he's got. Well, isn't Jason Sudeikis from Kansas anyway? And that's my brain does something when I have to suddenly remember that actors are real people and I, I have a hard time <laughs> remembering their names and knowing what other things they are. The makeup and the costumes completely fool me. It's a full disguise. I'm face blind. I can't tell the difference. I need subtitles on. Sudakis, <laughs> that was his name. Sudakis. Yeah, Sudakis. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure if you went to Kansas. You would not actually hear that accent a lot. Most people in America talk like people do in in the basic region-less, like, like television accents. Like, like there's regional accents, but, I mean, if you're talking to someone for the first time and not in a... Like public public setting, they're they're probably not not gonna go full. Uh, I'm a cowboy trying to learn how to play European sports, sort of sort of voice he's doing. It it definitely is the first couple of episodes. He's like more full on with it. Like he's more of a caricature, but then once it settles down into the story more, at less the introduction and his character personality, it then just becomes normal. And I don't know, it, it, he doesn't lose the accent. It just becomes less e- exaggerated, I think, even though he still uses a lot of anecdotal story yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think it does so much to help the character when you see him cool down for just a couple minutes every throughout every episode like you'll see him have a, an awful phone call with his wife or you'll see him stop and think about what kind of act he's putting on which hints that there's some kind of deliberacy to the overwhelming positivity of it that makes you like it's almost like a mystery kind of show you're like how is ted lasso going to solve <laughs> going to kill these people with kindness and in, in this sticky situation he's going to find him in yeah it's great, though. It's such a positive show. And Ted is an amazing character that, you know, isn't Ned Flanders. He's not one note. He has depth. There are things that's going on. And the way the story moves, you know, it's expected in some way, but then, you know, throws curveballs at you quite frequently. And there's a lot of moments. I think there's an episode, 
I think it's about episode seven or eight that you'll watch that I think you'll, it's a little like how you f- relate to the Bo Burnham stuff, right? There's a moment oh, no. in there that is impactful. I think that's what Ted Lasso is like almost tricking people into this like warm blanket that is the show, but then talks about these real, it's like being sat down by someone who is like your mentor or your teacher who you really care about. And they talk to you about serious things, but because it comes from them, you know, you feel safe. Ted is kind of like that. He's very safe. He is a warm blanket. And then it talks about the breakdown of relationships and failure and overcoming adversity and dealing with change and all of these things in you in just a kind of really great way. I can't I can't praise that show enough, man. I've watched it two times now. It's just brilliant. So our our hot, successful football stars in their early 20s at the prime of their career really as huge of an asshole as this show depicts them as. Somewhat, yeah. I don't know really what it's like in American sports. I know you have like college stuff and you have scholarships, but in general... People who turn out to become professional football players in the UK, they will have been in academies and will have trained every day since they were like seven years old. So they are the most isolated, protected people. And their vision of society is being weighted on hand and foot and being like superstars and basically being like MVPs all the time, right? So they, you know, Jamie is... He's an exaggeration, but he's not that far off, like, to be honest. Yeah, he's a horrible bastard, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're gonna gonna hear stories of it later on as the years continue to roll on, but there's definitely, absolutely, some Twitter-worthy revelatory shit that I'm sure goes on behind the scenes in the big-budget professional sports world. I mean, I, I can't, like, think off the top of my head because I'm just so distant from it, but it seemed like a, a plausible exaggeration that uh, one of them would, would, would like show up to the charity dinner with, with his chest out in like a, a Dracula costume, basically. And just, just completely belittle the, 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 what is, what is Nate's title? The kit boy, kit man. Yeah. Kit man. Kit man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like they, they were like picking him up and beating him. And that seemed like something that you could yeah. call the police about. But I'm I I yeah. if it happens room, they probably bullying. wouldn't. I mean I yeah. I don't know. Do, do people do that in locker rooms when they're I don't I, I hot think shots he, at the height of their career? Maybe possibly the setting it takes place is the highest level of soccer in the UK, which is pretty much the highest level of soccer in the entire world. But they do make a point of. Of like how, sh- how schlubby of a yeah, team yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, it's it's essentially like every team I've ever played for. Like that's how amateur <laughs> <laughs> they come off as. There's definitely not a professional outfit behind them. But yeah, yeah, it was cute. I'm looking forward to more. I was surprised that the reason why I'm looking forward was not so much just the raw positive energy of it, so much as I just want to know what makes Ted Lasso tick. What's going to happen later on when when he really gets stretched thin? Because you have these occasional hints, just a whiff of of a moment where you see him get really frustrated or you see him cave a little bit under the stress and you're like, oh, he's a real human after all. And you know if a real human is like purposefully struggling to act like that in front of other people, it's probably eating away at something else inside of them. Mm. Oh, man. What a good show, though. 
I'm a little slow on the draw here. What a great show. I caught up with Bo, what was his name? Bo what? Bo and, Burnham's Insides? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's a, that was good. That was yes, good. okay, thank you. That was that was really good. Yeah, I, I didn't know that's who you guys were talking about. I've watched him on YouTube just in passing. Yeah. I was like, oh, this guy's pretty cool. And just the name never stuck. I, I always remember Bo, but that's pretty much it. So when you guys were talking about it, I was like, inside. And then I saw him like, oh, shit, I do know this guy. And he did a really good job, especially if he did do it all by himself in that room. I I don't know, man. All, all the zooming was digital. Like, you could tell there was no one holding the camera with him. Yeah. I mean, still, though, I mean, that could just be part of just like, you know, like checking lighting and everything like that is annoying as fuck. That's probably why part of his annoyance Wait, every time you would look at the monitor, he was just like fucking like, like that. That's real. That's real annoyance. Cause I, I know me and you know, George, cause yeah. we, me and you have done it for a long time. I stopped doing it, but I remember <laughs> how fucking annoying it was. Like, like speaking of, of a character like Ted Lasso, who, who, you know, does come off as a real human being and he doesn't show anyone else these moments. We just see those moments behind yeah. the camera as ghost viewers of him getting frustrated and angry. Yeah, when Bo Burnham like viciously curses at his keyboard and and like slaps the, the air a bit and then suddenly switches over to cheerful, happy singing mode, that really burned. When when I watched it the second time with someone else who had like can confirm that that's what it sounds like when you're in the other room listening to someone going crazy trying to make something by themselves inside one room forever. Yeah, yeah. He he lives very humbly. I I wonder if that. If that's uh, his actual <laughs> no, it's not. Oh. He lives with a wealthy older woman who is his girlfriend right now, I think. He did not live in that room for, for the production. That's but like still, his outhouse. Like, for as much as it's funny, like, yeah. what a great in-depth thing. He's still rich as bulls, and that's like his fucking outhouse, like his outside studio. Oh, is that what it is? So I always take it with a pinch of salt. I always take it with that. So really, that kind of devalues the whole fucking experience, to be honest. Nah, I don't know. I mean, because... I as like fiction, right? As fiction, it's still annoying to do what he did, but he never like I don't know. I did not feel misled. I don't think he's trying to mislead you. I think it's it, you know yeah. if you want to believe that everything he's talking comes from a place of frustration and real suffering, then yeah, you have to take into consideration he's you know portraying that while. Also being rich and living in a which very he does nice mention. Big home. It's not like he doesn't yeah. mention all these weird things, but like yeah, I thought he was shockingly honest about it. There's multiple times where he's just like, "Should a yeah. rich, white, successful guy like me just shut the fuck up, or can I help other people somehow get through these things?" What I think that stands actually is a reminder. Yeah, the second song was the weirdest. <laughs> that was the second song. That was the weirdest one. I think all of them are. Are really weird like the most least offensive safest song on there is white woman's instagram and when the like tamest <laughs> song <laughs> on the list when the tamest song on the list is pointing out how social media can exacerbate racial and class divides that means all of them are weird 
they all dig into some uncomfortable truths of being extremely online and socially isolated. And I think that's the message is that rich people still suffer from that. When you look at the statistics for suicide, older rich men are pretty high up there. A lot of shitty stuff happens to your social life when you start making millions of dollars. All your friends yeah. fizzle away and you start having yes men instead. You don't know if people are really appreciating you for you or appreciating you for your money. Yes. And if you get older, it can become incredibly lonely. And if a spouse who only married you for their money and then either dies or leaves off and you're alone, you're, you're rich you have that problem taken care of, but all your like emotional and spiritual needs, like your your hope for the future can just completely get yeah. thrown down the toilet and suicide will start seeming like a better idea than continuing to live rich. Yeah. If those other needs on your pyramid are not felt. And that's what it was it was digging into for, I, it, it, for me. That type of shit makes me scared, man. <laughs> Having like, I don't know, like being successful and not knowing Look at Kanye. Look at Britney Spears. Oh, yeah. They have mental breakdowns. Their mental health becomes yeah. worse after they should have access to more medicine and more doctors. The problem is they get surrounded by a social circle of people who aren't going to tell them, no, Michael Jackson died from an overdose his doctor prescribed him. And, you know, behind the scenes, we were talking about that happening to someone in my personal life that might involve this dog. But anyways, yeah, yeah no, rich people can go crazy, too. Yeah, no one's going to tell Michael Jackson that his dance isn't good. He has to be critical of his own self, right? Like, like that sucks when you get to that top, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, the, the diminishing you know, returns. They've done the math. When you earn past a certain income level, your, your brain does start thinking in terms of more money, more problems. Yeah, that's fascinating to me, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like... Like you can you can get degrees in this stuff. There are a lot of psychologists who I'm sure could could explain more about how weird their rich clients are. But yeah, it, I feel like one of those psychiatrists need to be rich in order to like really <laughs> feel it. Yeah. Well, you know what the rates they charge. Am I right? What? Well, yeah, actually, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Bo well, Burnham. Rich. I would say not having to worry about your source of income falling out from under you beyond your control. I think it's more than that. Yeah, that's I think that's, you, that's just normal. Yeah, no, that's, that's not normal. That's not normal, no. but that's not rich is being able to buy whatever you want without ever worrying that your yeah. your bottom your bottomless pit of money will run out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's millions then. Yeah. You're not rich if you're a successful athlete or celebrity who's not going to make the money anymore when you're in your late 30s. At that point, like, you'd have to invest in something that's going to still be underneath you that doesn't fall out from you without your control. It, it means owning real estate, owning businesses, owning assets, not just the income. And, and like, real assets that, like, people physically crunch value into productivity and, and the material reality of the world. Like, <laughs> like, like th th that's the problem with saying that Jeff Bezos has, you know, enough liquid wealth to, uh, to feed the home. Probably, yeah, but at the same time, he can't press a button and turn what his yeah. worth is into real money because it's like, imagine, Jeff Bezos is rich. Jeff Bezos owns the means of production, yeah. But even Jeff Bezos' wealth is still tied up in these abstract things that don't exactly translate into Jeff Bezos being able to 
survive in a post-apocalyptic situation if all of society suddenly slipped out from under him. Jeff Bezos probably could, but a lot of celebrities and athletes and, and even successful real estate developers are not gonna have that kind of luxury. Once you pass over that kind of luxury, when you're not worried about the climate apocalypse, if you are not worried about the climate apocalypse, that's how I'm gonna count you as rich. If you can afford a bunker, if you, yeah, if you have access to things that would save you in certain life-changing situations that would affect... Like a loyal crew. If you have the ability to have access just by having money to certain things that other people do not, that would save you in certain aspects. If your security guards don't turn on you during the climate apocalypse, then I'll consider you rich. Oh my god. Climate apocalypse. If you don't have a mutiny in your fallout bunker, then, then yeah. The, Oh my God! Do we need fallout bonkers now? Shit. The rich already have them, dude. Dude, it's so hot outside. It's so fucking hot, man. Isn't what did I move to California name? for? California's supposed to be nice and sunny and calm and breezy and perfect. I mean, you got legal weed though. I well, we definitely do. <laughs> you definitely do. And it's easy. I order from Speedy Weedy. And it drives directly to <laughs> Speedy me. Just, Weedy. Speedy Holy Weedy. Holy God, I'm Weedy. so jealous. Oh, the Speedy. business opportunity. Their, their weed is kind of okay. But, you know, it's it's Speedy. And it's Speedy, Weedy. Speedy, that's, that's what you get, what they advertise. Yeah. Wow. My cousin's weed is the best. Yeah. Speaking of Speedy things. Mm-hmm. I dabbled into a game that Liam was talking about a few months ago. Look at me recommending all these things. It ended up on the the, the epic free games list. <laughs> Everything has been li- this is the Liam show. Everything. Yeah, I'm feeling great. <laughs> Eddie last week, me this week. I feel like I'm the dog. I played Minute, and Minute is supposed to be like an hour and a half to two hours long. I swear I played it for a whole two hours and still got stuck on a stupid puzzle that made me feel like an idiot midway through when I didn't get to see the ending. Ah! Hey, Liam, how well did you handle knowing that boxes float in this game? (laughs) Hey, I don't know if you remember, but I didn't like Minute. (laughs) Okay. Let's get into it then. I didn't like Minute either. I was very I like intrigued from everything you said. About, yeah, the premise sounds wonderful. And I can't say that the two hours I spent with it were bad so much as they just kind of suddenly dead-ended on a really bad moment of, of frustration that I had to look up a guide to, to figure out the solution for. The game's graphics are black and white, big chunky pixel art. I could not tell there was water that I could float a wooden box. I couldn't tell the box was supposed to be made out of wood. I don't know. I felt like it was for the first two hours, and it might vary incredibly differently depending on who's playing and how well they can improvise to this stuff. But I actually felt like it was a a wonderful example of how level design funnels you to certain places at certain time triggers. Like they have a a sword right next to your house, bushes you need the sword to get through. It it felt like playing a speedrun of a Zeldavania of a Zelda Metrovania, a game designed from the ground up for 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 speedrunning. I just ultimately feel like the the black and white chunky pixel art aesthetics did not serve this one particular puzzle I got stuck at or or there wasn't enough telegraphing or breadcrumbs for the puzzle and that that kind of left a, a sour note on my mouth. Yeah, no. I just don't think it works. 
damn. I don't think I've heard Liam do that in a while, dude. I mean, if like the whole game was maybe rearranged, I, I, I think on theory, yeah, the on paper theory of like, oh, a game where you die after one minute, right? And then you make increment, and you make incremental progress in this cute world, right? I think there's a couple of things though. One, it's a game about memorization, right? It's a game about remembering where you went and what yeah. you did. So, so signposting and graphics are important. So signposting yeah, and graphics yeah. are really important. Like the ability for a player to recognize where they are. The monochromatic style of the game does not and actively dissuades you from being able to remember those things because it is so hard to distinguish, you know, black and white and, and just white lines, even if it black resembles water certain things. On black ground. Yeah, it's it doesn't lend itself to that. I don't think it works that well. I think it's charming in a, a way, but it's also just frustrating a lot of the time. There's also the teleporter puzzle. I don't know if you, I can't remember. You, you I can't got remember. it, but that th- there was a big room full of teleporters. The thing I'm I'm realizing is that it slowed down for me when you do traditional normal Zelda puzzles and not stuff that plays into the gimmick. Mm. When someone talks so incredibly slow, it takes almost the whole minute to hear their dialogue. That's cute. That's <laughs> yeah. clever game and then design. I'm dead and I have to do everything <laughs> again. <laughs> There's like uh, moments where you you see a goal at the edge of the screen, but suddenly start slowing down because your character's trapped. In mud or something like like when you when you feel that every second counts in a way that doesn't feel like you're going through a puzzle that requires some process of elimination involved i was engaged and stimulated and happy when i was having to push blocks onto pressure points or figure out a, a teleporter sequence when i was doing what are traditionally the lesser fun zelda puzzles or in any way i was not having fun i was kind of frustrated and then got stuck and then looked up the solution and felt like an idiot because the solution wasn't that difficult. I just wasn't visually reading the game. Mm. Yeah. Music's good, though. Music's Music catchy. Good. Music's nice and catchy. I like, I, they're not even a studio, right? It's just JWP and his usual comrades. Like, most recently they made, of course, Disc Room which I thought was also great. And that these are games that I personally really do draw myself to because they are a mechanic, a core, and everything is in service of that core. Sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. Well, I should say sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. Not bad or good. I don't know what pushing a wooden block to make a f- bridge floating on water has to do with making every second of this one minute count. That's 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 a lame Zelda puzzle. It's... It's been mm. done before, and and if I have colors on the screen, it's going to be less painful to go through again. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, it was still cute and happy and cheery, so it didn't bump me down that bad. I mean, how sad can I be when there's Eddie right here all by my side always? <laughs> yes, he is. I'm just happy that George is happy. Do you want to talk about Guilty Gear, Liam? And how blazing it is. No, I just I just wanted to say I'm back on my bullshit blazing. That's You're it. back on, on your bullshit blazing or back on your blazing bullshit? Back on my bullshit blazing. Let my heart take it. And I can't see I'm turning back a new world. Oh, yeah, you already know. I, I don't know if it 
if if bullshit blazing rolls off the tongue as easy as blazing bullshit, it's kind of like a Balan Wonderland versus Balan Wonderworld situation. I I wonder if they like said it out loud before writing it down on paper. You get the lip feel, the tongue feel of those consonants going. It's such a great game. I haven't played the new character yet. And of course, Draco Valentine just got announced today. But I've been playing with my colleague who recently purchased it. And he was now all the busyness of what the past month has been for me. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, I feel rusty, but let's jump back in. Within 10 minutes, I'm like obsessed again. I'm like, yes, this game. This game is the best. So good. <laughs> But I, I've progressed a little bit on from Soul Bad Guy onto Leo Whitefang a little bit now. The fucking uh, names are so good. Leo, Leo Whitefang. Oh, he looks like what I was picturing. He's great. He's a king. But no, I, I just that's it. Back on my bullshit blazing. We got fun news this week, kind of, sort of. The uh, Activision lawsuit is, is, is sort of not dominating the headlines so much this week. Last update on that is that the shareholders are now suing and, and criticizing the leadership as well. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is going to be renamed to Player Unknown's Battlegrounds colon Battlegrounds. The uh, developers of Total War Troy have thrown their arms up in the air and are going to be coming out with a fully fantasy mythological DLC expansion. I think I'm going to be checking that out later in the year. The mm -hmm. PS2 era Grand Theft Auto games are getting remastered as a trilogy and are coming out on the Switch. So, you know, if... Uh, if you're concerned these days about how big, expensive video games take an entire decade to develop, there's something to tide you over. News is still going to be out on whether or not the old soundtracks make it over. Don't get your hopes up. They have re-released and remastered San Andreas and Vice City a couple times, I believe. In both times, some of the, the most expensive songs on the soundtrack were we're not able to to make it through the the updated releases. But yeah, that should be fun time and easy money if everything goes right for for them. Yeah, easy money being the yeah. and it's on it's in unreal supposedly. Really? Big, big change, yeah. Yeah, don't know why what they're not the? doing it in their own rage engine, but what doing their own the everyone's a floppy ragdoll engine. Maybe actually Oh, well, uh, may, actually, fun fact, that's why it's called it. We, like, it's called the range engine, but we called it rag engine. <laughs> rag uh, you can, you can tell. Yeah, I I mean, it was always so fun watching the, the procedural animations of characters like yeah. they looked like they were swatting away bullets. Anyways, I spent a shitload of time with the PC port of San Andreas. The original release of San Andreas on PC was fantastic. And since then, the version on the Steam nowadays was a, a source port to mobile back to PC with the good songs missing from the soundtrack. So I, I'm curious how, how this remastered collection will turn out. But in either case, those, those were, were all uh, like, like little, little quick, more minor headlines than I think something here that I found that might speak to more more uncomfortable, grander topics of the industry. And that is a investor, a, a blog post that these developers made on their investor relations page. The developers are People Can Fly. The game in question is uh, Outriders. And apparently it might not be making as much money as we, as, as the general public had been led to believe before. 
The Outriders developers are saying that they have not been given sales data from Square Enix and that they also have not been getting paid any royalties so far, both of which, according to their contract, would mean the game is not actually turning a profit. According to the publisher, the revenues from the sale of the game are lower than the total cost of its production, including QA, distribution, and promotion. And that stands in contrast to some more positive coverage this game was getting after a rocky launch. There was a lot of negativity surrounding Outriders on launch regarding servers crashing and a, a awful bug that would wipe some players' inventories. But since then, the game has found fans in our own Discord community. Matt played a few hours of it. And no, I beat it. I beat the whole thing. At, at that, that speaks to something, right? I liked it. Did you Game Pass it or purchase it? Purchase it. Straight up bought it. Bought it and played the whole thing. Yeah, the, that there were 3.5 million people playing it. The coverage got more and more positive as it went on. Square Enix was calling it their next major franchise. Uh, it was one of Steam's biggest launches ever. Matsuda has come out with these quotes about how pleased he was with their digital sales ratio of people going from Xbox Game Pass to, to purchasing the game for it. So... It does seem awfully weird that two and three million units would not slip their budgets into the green after all. Depends that. on how much it costs to make. Yeah, that's a big... scary. Yeah, yeah, like like scary wake up call to reality here of just how incredibly well, also, expensive how these much are. Of those two to three million units on Game Pass as well. I imagine a lot of that is Game Pass. That might be the biggest question that this this story raises is how much do I want to call it like a successful launch because it did have those those server crash issues. How much could a a game that, that three got, million copies is a success? But you got to remember this is Square Enix we're talking about. You go back to the Tomb Raider stuff and you go back to the Hitman stuff. You go back to uh, you know Avengers games that sell within the three to five million bracket for Square Enix are not successes. Right. So and also, depending on how much of this costs and depending on what the contract was, he's coming out to say this because he's probably aggrieved, but he will have fully known what the contract was. And the contract probably with Square Enix is that people can fly, don't get profit until the project recoups. And that probably was the stipulation of the contract, which is something that's kind of becoming a, a much more talked about thing now. But if that's the case, then this studio knew that, like, it, it's kind of a funny thing that they're saying this, unless he provides more details and says, well, actually, Square Enix promised as a 20% profit margin up to the Riku and then a 50-50 split or a 60-40 split or something. But to me, it sounds like he's just kind of complaining a little bit. Like, you know what the contract you signed up to is. So it's a, it's, it's a tough one. Well, the, the blog post does end with a little bit of, of reassurance. He says the game's still going to get worked on, that they're still going to get more promotional marketing from Square Enix, that the sales tale of the Outriders game is still ahead of us. There's no way that the studio didn't do financial projections and they must have been like, this is the number, like five, whatever it is, let's say 5.5 million is the number where we begin to earn profit. Like, 
That's they they will have done this. So it's kind of weird. And if they didn't, that's an insane and unheard of. They will know based on how much the game cost to make or whatever their budget was to make the game originally when they pitched it to Square Enix. You know how much how much it would cost the game price, and then that game price marked. You know how many copies of the game plus the Game Pass deal would you have to sell to make back the development costs? Okay, and then how much do you get profit wise if it's a sixty forty split or whatever? And then you get the platform holders, and Steam takes money, and Epic takes money, and Xbox takes money, and blah blah blah. But they will know what the contract was and they will know exactly what the thing is. So it's kind of funny that he's coming out and saying this. Like he's maybe just got a beef with Square now. And, you know, Square, of course, probably not the greatest and the contract probably isn't the best. But you know, you should know what you're signing up to, especially if you're a massive studio. I mean, I would be down to read more blog posts like this. It needs, it needs breaking. Like he needs to describe whatever the deal is with Square Enix, right? If he can, right? It's probably NDA'd by Square Enix, but you know, and it's also investor language here. This this was technically for investors, not fans. I don't even know if he's if he's if he's pissed. Right? It's just a statement. He could be just like, no. oh no, we haven't actually earned any profit yet, but we we will we will. <laughs> he didn't say profit. He, he said revenues from the sales are lower than the total cost of its production. Yeah. So then there you go. So it's all on Square Enix. So of course they haven't got any profit because if Square Enix are the ones who paid the entire development cost, then Square Enix have got to recoup that money first. But it depends on what the deal is. But I'm glad you brought up Hitman because this a similar story was happening to Hitman after, after Hitman 2016 came out. There were headlines about how it hadn't turned a profit and how some of their release schedule got chopped up because of the the deadline Square Enix wanted, and how they would later on be able to get their IP back and make their own games that turned out to do better in the long tail compared to what was happening with their deal with Square Enix in 2016. There are some Western games Square Enix publishes that seem to avoid a lot of this drama and do okay. Like, the Life is Strange stuff, I don't think I heard any hiccups along the way those games will have not cost the same amount of money right what else because the the avengers game was a total flop yeah and that will have cost probably way more money but it's a live service game so it probably costs more money to shut it down right now than it would to see how it goes especially considering there's marvel money involved for sure in that so it's not as simple right a large polish studio like people can fly Game deals, man, they're crazy and they're difficult and they're intertwined, especially at that kind of scale. The Outriders must have cost, I'm going to guess, like 50 plus million. Easy. Like 70 million, maybe, for sure. So it's a lot of money. What's 3 million times, let's say, what's a million, you know, times by 30? <laughs> it's probably like 300 mil. <laughs> So I don't know. It it really depends on how much Game Pass versus and you know Xbox will have paid a premium amount of money for it as an Xbox Day One. So they factor that into the costs as well. And as time goes on, more people are gonna eventually figure out those numbers as the information becomes more widely known. Whether or not it is part of a lawsuit that involves Apple and their payouts, we're looking for their specific program. But yeah, uh, that is the big question is how much of of that is down to Game Pass? Mm. Well, I imagine 
considering Game Pass is 23 million plus subscribers and it was a day one exclusive and there was massive marketing push behind it, I'm going to register like at least 2 million of those would be my guess. Considering as well they had server issues on day one that more than likely came from the influx of Game Pass people just being downloading it and trying it once and trying to get in. That's the danger of like... Well, there's no danger really with Game Pass. You get a huge chunk of money, but we're talking like AAA types of money with Outriders. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Yeah, and the gamble on the other other side of the equation is that if they didn't have Game Pass, it could just be a complete sleeper, depending on whether or not teenagers want to play co-op shoulder shooters that week. Well, this is the problem, right? What is the the biggest thing that faces online live games that come from maybe slightly unknown developers or publishers, right? Well, in this instance, you know, People Can Fly have made a Gears game and also a great, you know, they made Bulletstorm, but that's not exactly like right in the foray of like live action developers who are usually huge studios, right? So what is the best way in which you can get people to get into this game? Well, give it away for free, essentially. Get as many players playing that game, streaming that game, have people playing together, having a good time, right? Best way you can sell the game is by making it look like it's something worth playing. And and Bulletstorm underperformed. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, but that game is so great. In 2013, it was revealed the game sold under 1 million copies. I'm reading the Wikipedia page now, and it's the sales paragraph is really sad. How many? How many? In 2013, it was revealed the game sold under 1 million copies. Mike Caps, was the Epic president at the time, added that the game did not sell well on the PC, citing piracy as his main reason behind its disappointing performance. But when did it launch? Because 2013 must have been, what, th- two or three years after I want to say 2011 was the launch. Yeah. Okay, so the CEO of People Can Fly, though, felt the game sold well, adding that it would never be considered as successful or profitable as Epic's Gears of War series anyway. Yeah, I think that's the thing, right? Yeah, that over-expectations. But then they went on to do a Gears game anyway, so obviously they're a trusted developer. <laughs> but Bulletstorm has, has jokes. This sucks, man. I don't think it's going to be a problem. I think they will earn profit. Depends on how this is the rule of the dice with live games, right? Does your player base just drop off or are you going to keep making content that keeps people playing? Like, for example, Matt, if Outriders had bought out a new expansion that was out on Game Pass for free, would you jump back in and play it with people? Yeah. For free. There you go. They, they, oh, they yeah. say the game's still getting worked on, so so they're not done with it yet. If the DLC was like $10 for the expansion and they were like, hey, you get to do all these things with your friends and stuff like that, is the game good enough to do that? Would you want to jump back in? Yeah, 10 bucks. Yeah. Now, if you're going to like 30 ish, I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth 30 But like, it was like, like I started playing it with like was it like a couple weeks after launch? So a lot of those major issues were kind of fixed. Which is the best time to play a big multiplayer game is is not on the first few days at all. Well, it shouldn't be that way, but apparently it is now, especially with these guys. But like it worked. Like I like I enjoyed it from top to bottom. I rarely had little like maybe there was like an issue once in a while where an enemy was like stuck somewhere that we couldn't reach him but the game automatically like spawned the enemy or killed the enemy after like three or five minutes um but other than that 
it fail safe. Just, yeah, it was like it was okay the whole way through. It was like good enough. Yeah, the story was good enough. It, it wasn't anything special. It was just there to really amuse you, kind of like like a good co-op experience. I wouldn't play this by myself. I would. This is definitely like co-op experience. Watch your character be mean to other people. You know, and you know they were all like weird gruff dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the like no, you could play male or female, and they're both like just brutal. They're just brutal people, <laughs> just shooting people and everything. I was like, wow, this is different. This is not like the usual protagonist. This is is actually quite nice. So yeah, I feel like it needed a little bit more sauce, and it could have been like really good, but you know, it was good enough. Because there was there was definitely some bones there that could have been a, a good sh- structure for something great. I enjoyed it. So I would definitely play the DLC if it, if it came on a Game Pass. But I have it on Steam, so I would have to pay. <laughs> if they make it with another developer that doesn't do as good a job as People Can Fly do, but Outriders is their IP now and not People Can Fly, would you still be interested in the franchise? If it truly was their next big franchise even though they don't have the original developers working on it anymore. I don't know. Like, I'm not... I do remember the story. I haven't already forgotten it, like a lot of games I've played. I don't know if I care that much. Unless unless people are like, oh, well, like, they came out with another one. Like, it's not bad. You want to get together with me and Fred and play? I'd be like, yeah, I'm down. Shit. Let's, let's fucking shit. play some out. Shit, let's, let's play we some out. We want to get in here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't see a problem with that. But if it's if it's worse, then no, I ain't playing that. <laughs> Listen, co op games are different. Co op games are different different category. This is not like a single player like, oh, I don't feel like playing this anymore type of thing. When it's a co op game and you have someone who actually wants to play the fucking full game, unlike George, <laughs> like. It's easy. It's an easy win. You talk about random shit that's going on in your day or whatever the fuck is going on in your life, and you shoot some people, and it's relaxing. Co-op games, I miss it. I miss co-op games. So, yeah, I would jump into another co-op game with a bud. No doubt. Nice. Man, my brain is so so messed up. (laughs) You're healing. You're healing. You had the therapy dog. Co-op games stress me out. Like the other the the, the other friends I'm with will be wanting to like skip the cutscenes because they played it a zillion times before and I'm still a newbie. Like it's fine if I'm playing it with someone new for the first time and you go all the way through it. But I've I've only had that experience maybe once or twice my whole lifetime. Twice. And I never skipped anything. Was it with a real life friend? Yes. Two times. Two times. You, you just gotta find the right people, man. You just uh gotta stay away from that uh that crazy Discord you got. <laughs> yeah, that's the let's just quickly change topics to listener questions. Dude, guys, this first one, it, this guy, ah, someone was wearing a dad and son's t-shirt, and someone else in the real world recognized them for it. You have to say where that because that is even better. Yeah. A European island country in the northern hemisphere oh that is called. Oh my god, he's looking it up. Come on. 
It's in the Discord. One Just, moment, because I don't want to get the island wrong. But there's there's four different countries in this one country. It's Scotland. It's in the, they wait, made that joke in Ted Lasso. Country. It was a really good joke. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, someone in Scotland got recognized for wearing a Dad and Sons t-shirt and then sent us a fan question after. How stupid. What do you mean? That's really great. Can you imagine walking around in Scotland with a Dad and Sons t-shirt and someone's like, Ugh, I know those guys. (laughs) I bet they're married now. How, what a wonderful connection. Why is there no photo? Uh, Where's the photo? Okay, okay. Alex S., if you are listening to this episode, we are about to read your question. Alex S. said, I was proudly wearing my dad and son's t-shirt and it got recognized by someone else. It was quite a shock. They left it at that, but I am so totally open for getting a follow-up from Alex S. later. (laughs) If they end up marrying each other, then that means we will have brought some positivity in the world. Unlike the cat we named that then died. Oh, that it didn't die. It just ran away and got lost. And I'm sure it's living happily. I doubt that. somewhere. <laughs> the, or maybe the cat is like a strong wilderness survival hermit who just just, just has no patience for society. It's okay because we've got our mascot Eddie now, and everything's grand, everything positive. But we can't replace Metallica Mycin the Fourth. <laughs> I think there was another syllable in there somewhere. Yeah. Metallica Mycin, though. That's pretty good. So what does Alex S., our Scottish, one of two Scottish listeners, got to say? We're number seven in Saudi Arabia, number eight in Scotland. Alex S. says, I finally finished Sekiro, and after that I started Final Fantasy XIV online because Liam mentioned how good the later stuff is. It has been good, enjoying a way less stressful game. It was a good change after Sekiro. My question is, what's the biggest change in game genres you guys switched to? And I guess, you know, stuck with. Or we'll come up with some interesting stories. I'm trying to think of like genres I don't like and what helped me branch into them. How does playing Guilty Gear Strive and then playing Marion Sonic at the Beijing 2008 Olympics seem? I mean, they're both Japanese games. Wait, so is Sekiro and Final Fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) They both... They don't have Mario or Sonic in them. Although Sonic in Guilty Gear would be funny. They both work on a framework of simulated sporting activities because fighting and sparring and wrestling, that's that's a sport, right? Then that's what you do in fighting games. That's a pretty big genre change up, I would argue. Oh, man. They are both know, competitive, though. though. Yeah, they're both competitive games about athletic sporting activities. And I'm thinking back on whenever I do an inbox games episode, I feel that whiplash hard. There was a very calm, quiet trading card game that I showcased called Wingspan, where the the idea is that you and the other players are building a uh, wildlife sanctuary of beautiful birds. And whoever has the biggest, grandest wildlife sanctuary is the winner. And I, I was like playing that on and off against gritty pixelated first person shooters with, with, with shocking edgy content. That was, that was a, a rough whiplash, but I adapted. Matt, have you played hunt showdown this week? Not this week. No, no, no. I played a lot last week. Yeah. Cause I was going to say hunt showdown to, to dodgeball. Academia. Dodgeball. That would, that's, that would, that's a pretty big one. That would splash some water on you. Well, I mean, that's pretty basically what I did. Oh, well there you go. 
Yeah. Well, the competitive edge in Dodgeball Academia is just as grueling as in Hunt Showdown. But I, I mean, I do that stuff all the time. I mean, that's that's just the regular list. The regular list. <laughs> yeah, like, it is actually. Yeah. Like, like you, you have your Metroidvanias, but even within that umbrella, yeah. there's like some weird shit. Weird shit just pops up. Like I don't really think of genres anymore. I just like, just like, oh, is this game good? Okay, <laughs> I'm just gonna play this then. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've I've switched a lot. I've done everything except for I haven't done sports lately. Yeah, that's than, what I'm uh, thinking of. Other than golf, and Liam is like like super keen on action sports uh, genre type games. But I have never been able to get into traditional sport genre type games. Uh, the EA annual roster update games. I've never for for as long as I've lived, which is over three decades, and then a mystery number afterwards. I've never seriously enjoyed a single Madden, a single really NBA basketball game, not a one. Like they always seemed mediocre at best, even when I was a kid and didn't know better. It was NBA Street. It was Mutant League football instead. Mm. Yeah. NBA Jam back in the Super Nintendo days. Dude, arcade sports games are great. Mario Strikers, yeah. fucking yeah. so good. Yeah, like the line between arcade sports and traditional sports is such a a harsh line to cross and even within gamers like it kind of separates the jocks from the nerds like that that's a whole ecosystem of its own i don't i feel like i don't read news about traditional sports games i don't watch videos of traditional sports games i know they're out there i know they have their own youtubers and their own personalities and but their I, own I think worlds. it's the difference like my best example is arcade flying and simulation flying Right, it's mm, like yeah. that is the difference in arcade sport games and mm. like FIFA, right? Mario yeah. Strikers versus FIFA. It is centered around soccer, but there is a big difference in how it feels and plays, right? Same as like Madden, but I remember playing. Oh, what was it called? There was a fucking amazing PS3 game. It was like backyard football or something. Oh, I can't oh, remember that. Yeah, Blitz, yeah, yeah. Blitz, Blitz the league. Blitz, yeah. Blitz the league. It was. Uh, Rest in peace. Oh, God, it was so good. Yeah. Oh, man, I love, like, fucking the X-ray, like, goat sniper warrior-esque style injuries (laughs) you could do. It was so dope. (laughs) Like, and that, you know, that's the line. And that's why I think, you know, you take the, as I said time and time again, you take the, the very critically defined rules of sports, which are, like, untouchably good and solid and balanced as they have always been and then add a little bit of video game spice and you get some magic regardless of whether you like the sports or not i I can't remember if this was arcadey or not but at back way back in the day year like oh like a decade ago over a decade ago (laughs) at my youth section of the church we had and your youth is gone yeah i know right uh youth we had a Madden cabinet. Believe it or not, I've never seen one before, and I haven't seen one after. Yeah, I'm looking them up. They're real expensive. Yeah, they're good. They're really good. Like it's it's actually a good game. I don't know. It's it can't be like just a regular. Maybe maybe the old PS2 games were like this, but like these were really good. There was like a slight arcadey feel to it. Because you could dodge and weave and stuff like that, but it was more elegant. It wasn't like Blitz, where you can literally just thrash someone, make someone fumble, and do all sorts of craziness. Break their spine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, call their mom, make their mothers cry. I'm, and I'm a big fan of N64 Blitz. That that's my favorite. Like that's that was the shit. Even though that shit can get annoying. You ever tried to blitz someone every single time they try to throw the ball? <laughs> yeah. uh, only like you blitz the quarterback every time. Just every time you just go straight for him. Yeah, that that can get annoying. Yeah, I used to be the king of that. I used to be the king of that. People <laughs> feelings were hurt. At church. <laughs> and that, that is the most. Yeah. There was yeah. no God in that There was area. no God so, when Matt was on the a, stick. Not a <laughs> fighting in the sanctuary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it, that was my fighting game back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> like dive kick wasn't? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. What, dude, if we ever do a panel, we have to pull up dive kick. That's got to be the first oh, game yeah. we play, so so that people can and verify with shit. their yeah. eyes. Talk mad oh, shit! To I, each other it's the, the one fighting time. game I'm better at. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, and then it will be proven once and for all. And then watch Liam beat us, uh, beat both of us uh, in Smash Brothers. And it's like his first time trying in a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't know, guys. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets on and fucking does like infinite <laughs> combos and shit. <laughs> just, I'm just, it's coming back to me. I'm, I'm yeah, remembering the, some the, of the combos. The muscle memory, man. I just, I just, as know he how spikes to play. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. With <laughs> Dude, the fucking oh. King DDD kick. <laughs> I, I just have day to day in my blood, man. What can I say? <laughs> I guess you're just not as big a gamer as me, huh? Just get good, scrub. I haven't even touched this game in years. <laughs> <laughs> but in your case, that would be true. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't touched like, it. Like raising a martini glass with the family chicken inside? Yeah, like a toast, a toast <laughs> to, to your lives that have now been lost. You know, this is, this is kind of off-kilter. Sorry for derailing a bit. But I was wondering if it would be possible to make a Ted Lasso video game in the style of a football manager video game. A game where you have literally no fucking idea about the sport and therefore have to yeah, manage you, you unlock. based on your own ignorance, but you just smile at everybody. Time management where you, you have to like dedicate resources to studying the sport, studying the teams, but he uh, studying study their personalities. The he has literally, that's what Coach Beard is. Coach Beard, his entire thing is that he learns what Ted does. Th that's his play style. He's not putting points in research. He's in, instead of, of other things he's putting his points into. <laughs> but I, I feel like the, the problems he's dealing with could be gamified in, a, in an interesting way that hasn't been done before. Mm, possible. Sorry for the derail. I do really like this question. Discord really liked this question. There was a big thread about it. Mr. Bubbles wants to ask us, Dad and Sons, what's the worst thing you've watched with your parents? Uh, their divorce. Whoa! <laughs> Damn. Jesus Christ. Uh, the memories of courtroom Pokemon are flooding back. Courtroom <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon. Yeah, I haven't thought about all those days playing courtroom Pokemon until <laughs> Liam brought that up just now. I don't know where that came from. Repressed. No. Wow. But it's it's still a good answer. 
I'm assuming like there was a line, right? There's a line, isn't there, where your parents won't let you watch stuff, right? They'll be. Well, like, my answer is a video game, so uh, I'm putting those on the table. Awkward game cutscenes, yeah. Mine's definitely got to be something like a movie where it's like I think like Desperate Housewives or something like it when I was like 15, 16, and you know it gets a little raunchy, and you're sat there with your mom, mm-hmm. and you're like. Hmm. And you're just like playing with your phone, looking down. Don't worry, mother. I'm not looking at it. Yeah, I don't really know like what I'm supposed to say to the parents if a movie has like a sex scene or a nude scene. You know what's funny? It's awkward for you, but they are they're laughing, right? They must be internally laughing. You think so? Yeah. I've never asked. (laughs) Should I ask? Why would the parents be awkward? Why would they care? Right? (laughs) Oh, because it's Americans, and Americans are all weird about sex and nudity. I mean, so are British people with their parents, of course. (laughs) There's a line that that doesn't cross, but your parents must just oh. be like laughing internally, like <laughs> so. So you don't like dumb kids. gather gather around the family and watch Naked Attraction. Like I'm thinking, if I had a kid and they were of a teenage age, and you know they're like looking awkward as we're watching like Margot Robbie, you know, getting undressed in The Wolf of Wall Street, right? And you're like, you know. Because that's a dad movie. Are you watching them squirm a little bit? And you'll, I'd be just like giggling internally, like, man, you, you think you're cool, but you just have no idea. <laughs> you, you're still an awkward little teenager. That's what I'd be like. I one of the last long movies I watched with my dad was the director's cut of Alexander, and I'm so bad at remembering names that the extremely popular movie director. Oliver Stone. We were watching the direct, like three and a half hour long director's cut of Oliver Stone's Alexander movie, and there's there's a scene where where he's he's banging some hot queen, and and everyone's all naked, and I accidentally I didn't even mean to do it, but when when the camera was doing the male gaze thing, I was just like, oh okay, and and I I, I wanted to die afterwards so bad, like like I I didn't say nice, but some semblance of it mumbled out of my mouth and I immediately wanted to die afterwards and bury myself and never, never see my parents again. Nice. <laughs> like, it, yeah, if you say nice at a, at a nude scene in a movie you're watching with your parents, that changes your relationship with them forever. Georgie. <laughs> is, that, is that what your mom says? Georgie. That's gross. She doesn't say Georgie. I have a, a childhood nickname that I uh, compromising identity stuff. You, you remember when you told me that your parents were black? D- no. <laughs> <laughs> that you were adopted by black parents? <laughs> was I high? Or was I do you not or was remember the guy this. That we were with? It could have been a call. Do, do we all just look the same to you? <laughs> no, 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 no. I Who's the was... racist now, Matt? <laughs> You told me that. You told me that. Look, dude, we're at we're at some sushi place. Every time you talk about your parents, I always think about this thing. We're at some sushi place, and then you were like, "Oh yeah, this is like back when I first like like first met you, like first couple months or whatever." And you're like, "Oh yeah, like were you eating sushi then?" Because because yeah, you, you you had to work up to it. Like like you were you you were you were vegan back then. Oh yeah, I was vegan. Yeah. During those during those those times. Those times of this was this was back in vegan mat times, vegan if it was when times. we first met. I probably ate rice. 
<laughs> you played dive kick, and I beat your ass mercilessly every single time. Wow. Perfect scores. Uh, you were a vegan. Oof. You lived in a little apartment down the street, and for like two months, we were BFFs going to to everyone's house for, for the weekends. Good times. I do not remember telling you my parents were black. Is the <laughs> one thing though that's poking a you hole know, in this story. It's so funny. I can't remember who we used to hang out with. We used to bring over some dudes, and I just can't remember. I always remember like. Cute monster. Yeah, and I Ryan, had fighting game nights. But yeah, there was a Ryan and that there weird was a guy. Casey, but I don't remember the other ones. There might have been a few of those. There was definitely a few of those. That's the classic George friends. I used to have fighting game nights. That's how normal I used to be. Oh my god! <laughs> you can't see Liam's face, but I make Liam cringe so much. <laughs> I find it so hard to imagine me actually like having a big group of people over for a night every week to play fighting games. Like this year has completely torn my brain apart to where that doesn't even seem like something I'm capable of anymore. Yeah. Jesus Christ. You've got Eddie to distract everybody to take the pressure I hope. You I can hope. do it now, right? Yeah, everyone will just play with Eddie. We'll have Eddie nights. No, no, just have get the Smash out, man. It's been a while, but I'm pretty sure that would be a. Everybody wants to play Smash. There's also like the quarantine. Get the bullshit blazing. There's there's coronavirus. The the you know the guest parking lot always fills yeah, up on like, Friday nights. No uh, one should be not vaccinated coming over to your house. I mean, that's, yeah, that's I just agree, a given. but there's still. I went out to eat at a restaurant for the second time in the past year and a half this weekend. And and like, that's the baseline I'm working off. I only just got done with meal number two, like yesterday. Mm. So I'm. You're working your way up to, to having a normal, normal life. I gotta get, get back to having a normal life. The most awkward thing I watched with my parents, my dad was sitting with me during the beginning of the ride in getting naked stuff in Metal Gear Solid 2. Thankfully, <laughs> he walked out before I got control of the character. He walked out of the, the 20 to 30 minute long cutscene that plays before you start doing naked cartwheels, but he definitely saw like like nudity gags happening in this video game, and it was it was the fucking worst. I remember when my stepdad walked in on me playing Final Fantasy X and yeah, asked me uh -huh. if it was porn. He literally What asked. in the world kind of question? How did he get that he's, out? He's what? a fucking dumbass. That's why. Is it the opening to 10-2? Because he'd partially be right. <laughs> How the hell do you see like this this video game of, of anime characters? Yuna's dressed like... With a skirt. I mean, she's not even dressed that's that bad. It. That's all it like, takes. Yeah, that's that's all it. it takes. Wow. Yeah, like, compared to how the, the JRPGs are now, it's completely different. Yeah, but... I think just, like, American parents, when your kids are a teenager, are just... They assume everything they're consuming is porn maybe might be what's going on. Because my mom confiscated my N64 cartridge of Perfect Dark. And Perfect Dark's cartridge art had a woman's eye with, like, thick eyeliner applied all of it and then just said Perfect Dark on top. And I asked her what she did with it. It had a little M rating at the bottom. And I was also talking with friends about how cool the blood and gore effects were. And she said, I took away that prostitute game of yours. Like, what the? How? How did she get that out of a... 
just a single female eye with eyeshadow across it and Yuna wearing a full dress with a skirt because teenage boys are playing these things. I guess the parents assume it's porn, which I mean, they weren't wrong about, but it's not like I kept my porn out for mom to find. Things are done in the dark, George. Yes, they're not done in the open in front Very of your parents. It's ridiculous. And in what your stepfather and and what my mom was doing were very immature for their ages. They should seriously, at, at, you know, their middle ages have the media literacy at this point to be able to tell the difference between a highly produced multi-million dollar video game on a console versus porn made for ten thousand dollars in a in a hotel room. How in the world are they not able? What the? I'm sorry that made me mad. I'm I'm gonna chill out. I'm spooking Eddie. I need to I need to calm down. That's his classic parents. Yeah, they grew up in a different world, man. Dude, like the world is changing right now. They grew up on Caligula and Deep Throat. Yeah, I guess their porn was fancier. <laughs> yeah, like the world is changing right now, and then we're gonna be the old ones. You know, and we're gonna be looking at the kids like. What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) I read through a scan of an old National Lampoon magazine from the 70s. And this is how like bottom of the barrel schlock shock content worked for them in their days. But it would basically be like a humor magazine. There would be fun stories parodying things with funny laughs. And then all of a sudden in the middle of this magazine would basically be like three pages of naked babes posing with some jokes on the page that basically would have served as as the teenage boys jerk off material before the Internet inserted inside an otherwise like straight laced publication it's similar to how like weird we think playboy is like how weird it would be to have famous authors like 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 kurt vonnegut next to marilyn monroe's boobs and how i guess for maybe that is where the misconception comes from maybe that is why they were afraid that porn was happening with the non-porn media we were consuming like maybe maybe it does come from a place of some sort of informed reference. Come to think of it, maybe they're not just idiots after all. But goddamn, goddamn, he says. Yeah, you know you don't usually hear about like National Lampoon being the the titty magazine for the boomers when they were growing up, but apparently that was a dynamic happening as well. Liam, what's the worst thing you've watched with your parents? As I said, it's probably something to do with like just a TV show. I don't have any. Immediate memories, apart from that one story about when I got caught by my mother looking at porn for the first time. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that you're not watching it with your mother. No, that was awkward. and But that would be even more awkward. I don't really know. You know, there are those moments you're watching a movie, like uh, Neo and Trinity having sex in The Matrix. That I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was I with my dad that. for that. Yeah, I, I was with my parents for that. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awkward. <laughs> not as bad as Metal Gear Solid 2 riding getting naked and learning about while learning about his traumatic child soldier history yeah the Matrix sequels were pretty pretty rough pretty to sexy. sit through with, with parents mm. yeah mm. Mm. good times <laughs> can't tell if it's an awkward silence or a comfortable silence as, now it's as awkward uh, as we reminisce, and every person listening to this is also reminiscing, and they're doing it with their parents. And they're do- yeah, they could Whoa. be. This could be the most awkward thing 
that they and their parents have ever listened to together. <laughs> if you are listening to this right now and you are either a parent or a child of <laughs> in said situation, email in at Podcast. <laughs> I, I was I did not expect that statement to go where it went, but I'm I'm giggling at the payoff. That was good. Good segues. Good segues here. Pure prof, pure professionals. Good 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 segues. Very very professional. If you would like to listen to this with your parents, we would <laughs> highly encourage. I guess I guess <laughs> would I? Oh man, <laughs> what parent would subject their child to us? Our parents. That's kind of some meta philosophical bullshit right there.